Hey everybody, welcome to Mendoza Line, episode 12. 12. Thank you, Nick. Nick with the save. <laughs> does that does that mean I get the uh, the setup? Or the, uh, a hold, that's what it's called. I get the hold, you get the save? I, uh, just the wingman, I could tell you needed some help, so I just yeah. stepped right in there. So we're off to a, uh, uh smashing start here to episode 12 of for a little rusty it's okay yes yes we uh we took a week off for various and sundry reasons mostly vacations uh but we're back and uh you know there's a lot of baseball that happened in two weeks so i think we are going to before we get to that nick how are you i'm doing well i can't complain it was a good good week with family and uh florida it was very humid but the beach was nice. Got some rain. Watched a little baseball. But yeah, it was really good. How was how was Milwaukee? Oh, Milwaukee's a cool town. Um, my cousin got married there. I don't know, like four or five years ago. Um, but we were in a we were like downtown, downtown this time, like right on the river. Uh, it's really cool. Um, there's a river that there's like a river walk and. Um, a bunch of bridges and they all, you know, raise up on hydraulic legs and stuff. It's pretty neat to see. Um, and the weather was nice and the wedding was in the Milwaukee public museum in the European village and old Milwaukee section. So it's like, there's fake houses and fake trees and fake sidewalks and fake street lamps and fake bridges. And it's like, you're on a movie set set in, you know, a medieval aged uh european village or like the early 1900s milwaukee so it was super weird but super cool all at the same time that's awesome yeah sounds like a lot of fun yeah my the one downfall was that there was a a motion censored cat that every time you walked by it went and at a wedding where there's lots of people milling about the thing was going off every 30 to 45 seconds and so <laughs> it was the I can't one. really think of anything that would be more annoying. And we that. were like 10 feet from the speaker, our dinner table. <laughs> so like we'd be talking and it would go off and everyone would just wait. And then we'd continue our conversation. And so the, the mother of the bride went and asked him to turn it off. And they're like, oh, it's motion censored. We can't turn it off. Wow. And, and I was like, just, just with a little bit of logic in, in a, a fifth grader's brain, think about what you just said. <laughs> it's motion censored, uh, which takes electricity, which requires it to be B plugged in. But even if you can't unplug it, put a napkin over the motion sensor and it doesn't like I, I was their Their uh, reasoning was not adequate at all. And I was very annoyed. But other than that, it was a great weekend. <laughs> Sometimes people are not helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh, I had a sports joke about Florida that I thought I would tell you, Nick. Oh, have I heard this before? Maybe, but if you have, you're just going to have to pretend to laugh. I'll play dumb. Okay, okay, go for it. So it's a Brian Regan joke, who's one of my favorite stand-up comedians. And he's from Miami. And so uh, on his latest album, he said that, you know, he wants if he ever gets really rich, he wants to uh, start a second basketball team in Miami. He goes, I just want just to own the team for one press conference. So we can go there and they'll be like, um, yes, excuse me, Mr. Regan. Um, what's the name of your new NBA basketball team? Well, uh, it's not the heat. It's the humidity. Uh. 
And of course, he delivers that it much is better so than I true. do. <laughs> he delivers it much better than I do because he's a professional. But uh, I thought that was a very clever joke. That is very clever and very true. Unfortunately, I can't imagine living anywhere in Florida besides the beach. Just I don't know if it's because I'm not used to it or not, but yeah, when you're not at the beach, it's just you're so sticky and you just feel gross. But that that breach that beach breeze is really nice. But yeah, it was good. It rained a lot initially, which was not so good. Tropical storm Colin went through there. But we we survived. We stayed inside all day one day and watched almost two seasons of Parks and Rec. Holy cow. But watched some baseball too, so that was nice. I got to watch the draft last uh, week. But yeah, it's good to be back. It feels like it's been a little bit. I feel like a lot has happened in that time. Yes. Let's talk about fantasy baseball, Nick. Let's talk about it. How's your team doing? Um, well, if you consider 57 and 82 really good, then I'm doing really good. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you're you're down low a little bit. Yeah, you're you're in the middle of a pack for a while, but it seems like you've had a bad couple of weeks. You've had a lot of injuries. And I mean, you have just looking at your team. I mean, you have five prospects really good prospects that haven't got called up yet. So it's not like you're competing for this year anyways, but yeah. you've got a couple guys that um, are sub- really like doing surprisingly well. Nick Castellanos. Heck yeah. He's having a fantastic year, which is doubly good for you. Hitting 305, OPSing almost 880. That's fantastic. Odubel Herrera has been amazing. He um, he is just, I mean, he was a Rule 5 pick uh, a couple years ago, so basically that means he wasn't good enough to make uh, the 40-man roster for the Rangers. So the Phillies got him. Uh, it kind of looks like the Rangers made a mistake there by not protecting him. He's hitting over 300. Um, he's been their leadoff guy. He's getting on base over um, 40% of the time, which is really good. And Mookie Betts, the fourth best uh, player in the whole league right now. So you got some good got some good pieces there. Yeah, I got some good ones. I got some some not so good ones. <laughs> but no, I mean I'm I'm a little disappointed. I I was hoping to be higher than where I'm at now. Um, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, I'm not. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm eight games out of where I thought I was going to be, which is like 10th place. So for, for, for uh, you know, our listeners that don't remember or don't care, um, our team, our league is 14 teams. So I'm currently, uh, if this was European soccer, I would be in the relegation zone in danger of being relegated to the, the, the lesser league. So I'm trying to get out of the relegation zone, Nick. That's what I'm trying to do. You, on the other hand, um, well, you're, if I reversed my record, yours would still be better. So that's <laughs> super de- depressing. Well, I, I thought I had a team to compete. So, I mean, I think it's kind of played out like I thought. 
I'm, I'm getting really, I'm carried by my offense. I've got, and I mean, I've got some guys that I'm really depending on and they're all coming through. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt, Zobrist is having a career year in his mid thirties, which is a bit surprising. Chris Bryant has been really good. 15 home runs and 45 RBIs already. So he's on pace for over 40 and over 100 RBIs. 40 home runs, 100 RBIs. George Springer's been good. Steven Piscotti has been really good. Um, I picked up Trace Thompson, who is Clay Thompson's brother. He plays for the Warriors. So some pretty good athletic genes in that family. And then Miguel Cabrera and Rizzo. So yeah, I mean, I've, my offense is really stacked, so they should be performing. Um, and my pitching's been been doing well, uh, too. Syndergaard and Cueto leading the way. I think the only disappointment has been Keuchel. He, the AL Cy Young winner from last year, currently has a 5.5 ERA and a 1.4 WHIP. Um, so that's not good. And <laughs> hasn't really shown too many signs of improving, so I'm not really sure what to do with him. But I'm excited because I have Blake Snell on my bench who just got called up again yesterday. So he'll um, add to my pitching depth. So that's the guy who was the minor league pitcher of the year last year. So I'm excited about him. And I just picked up uh, the Reds' top pitching prospect, Cody Reed, last week because I think he's going to get called up within the next couple weeks. So, so yeah, it's been it's been a good last couple of weeks I've my offense uh I've I won 10 to 4 last week and I think even more the week before that um so yeah I've I've had a pretty good year so far well I hate to burst your bubble neck but um you're playing me this week and I'm currently beating you 6 to 5 and all 6 of my wins are offensive categories and my offense blows. So <laughs> I don't, well, I it's only saw, been it's only been one day. So I just saw Freddie Freeman go yard against the Reds. Yeah, he's 3 for 3 um, with a home run and 3 RBIs today. Yeah, and the Reds are the Reds and Braves are a real barn burner right now. The uh two of the three worst teams in the league. Yeah playing each other for a four-game series. So probably not going to be a lot of good baseball in that series. Yeah, my, my, my current roster is averaging 556, and I'm OPSing 2.044 as a team. <laughs> so kind of killing it. Um, but I imagine that this score will be much closer to the 10-4, 11-3 by the end of the week. Hey, you never know. We shall see, but let's move on uh, to just a quick recap of the standings in baseball because we haven't—I haven't looked them, looked at them in two weeks, really, because we haven't had a show. So I'm dying to know who's winning what. Yeah, what's uh, what's going on? I don't know. I'm pulling. I'm pulling it up on my internet right now. It's going slow. It's okay. We're uh, we're cruising along through mid. Mid June here, about a month away from the the All Star break, and uh, that's that's season. hard to believe that the All Star is only a month away. Yeah, it's it always does seem to fly by. You know, I I know you think that the season is too long, but 
for me, I'm kind of on the other end of things. I, I feel like it's going too fast and I wish it would slow down, but yeah, we're, uh, starting to enter into, yeah, the training season where the teams kind of separate themselves from those that are going for it and those that are gonna kind of dictate who are some of the key players that get traded to those teams are. So it's definitely an important stretch for some teams, but we starting in the AL East. We, uh, Got a bit of a resurgence here from the Blue Jays. They're they were kind of languishing a little bit in mediocrity, but they're they put together a nice streak, and they're only two and a half back now. The uh, Orioles and Red Sox are tied for first. I feel yeah, and that's the way it's been most of the season. They've been going back and forth, or at least been really close to each other um, most of the season. So yeah, I mean, outside of Toronto, not much has really changed as far as positioning in that uh, division. Yeah, don't see the Yankees or Rays having much of a shot. And I'm, I'm a little disappointed in the Rays. The pitching staff has not been what it should be. I think that's really kept them down a little bit. Matt Moore has really struggled this year. Um, so I think Snell coming up should help them a little bit. That's a team. They have enough pitching where they could go yeah. on a run here. But their offense is a little inconsistent. The Yankees just... They're just way too mediocre. I just I don't get a sense of outside of their bullpen that they're gonna really have a chance this year. So yeah, they they actually may be sellers at this deadline. And what's ironic yeah. is they may end up trading Chapman. And I had this dreadful feeling that they're gonna get a lot more back for him than the Reds got <laughs> for a whole year. So it's gonna kinda be a little frustrating, but you know, I think there's some extenuating circumstances with him of they kind of had to get rid of him for that domestic dispute that he had this winter. It was going to be a bad PR move and all that. So, But, yeah, growing up when the Yankees were kind of dominant all the time, it's been kind of weird the past few years to have them so mediocre. I'm not complaining at all, but... Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what they wind up doing. Um, Central uh, has changed quite a bit in the last couple of weeks. Uh, about two weeks ago, when we were looking at this, the White Sox were still in first, but they had kind of started to cool off. They are in free fall mode right now. They are tanking. They are one game under 500 now, and they are in fourth place in the Central. And they were, I mean, they were at one point like, I want to say like six or seven games ahead of everybody else, and now they're four and a half out of first place. Yeah, I feel like they were 10 or 11 games over 500. Yeah, I mean, and they were. Now they're game under. Mm-hmm, yeah. And they've, they have they just outright cut Latos and Jimmy Rollins, two, two guys that were got off to good starts but then really cooled off. Latos is just really, his stock has just plummeted. He was one of the up-and-coming young studs with the Reds traded a lot to get and never they got a good deal for him they got this De Sclafania they traded him at the right time because he is just cratered to the point where he is a free agent like he can sign with anyone I believe at this point so they uh they, they made a trade for James Shields as well which was interesting because he has been pretty ineffective mm-hmm. but they the uh the Padres I think he has like 30 million left on his contract and the Padres get the White Sox like 20 million. 
So they basically were like, just take him from us. We don't want him anymore. Oh, man. I think he got booed off the field in his first start. He gave up like six or so runs. Yeah, he's so he's the done. the White Sox are they're probably who they thought they were, which is an okay team, but not not going to win that division. Yeah. So uh, in their poor fortunes, uh, as well as the Royals' poor fortunes, uh, they're two and eight in their last ten. Poor Royals. They were in first place for a while, and everyone here was happy again. And and now they're, you know. They need to trade for Jay Bruce. That's what they need to do. That would that would change everything and give us all their good prospects again. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, the, the White Sox and the Royals are on hard times right now. But the, uh, the Indians and my Tigers are looking pretty good right now. Yeah. Uh, that being said, the Tigers and the Royals are have the same record. It just, we're approaching that same record and very, very different trajectories. The lions or not the lions, wrong sport. <laughs> uh, sorry, football on the brain. Um, the tigers are seven and three in their last 10, whereas I said, the Royals are two and eight. So they're, they're currently at the same point on the graph, but one, one is trending upwards and one is plummeting. So Michael, Michael Fulmer has been amazing for you guys. Yeah. He got, but, uh, he got roughed up his first time out, I think, but he's been amazing know, since then. Yeah, that's always good to to have someone that you can a, a young pitcher. That's always I feel like that's got to be a just like a mental encouragement to the rest of the team. Like it's it's not just one or two guys. Like we got this young stud that's playing great. Like that's got to be inspiring to some of the older guys, you know. That's key if you get Zimmerman and Verlander pitching well. That's three legitimate starters. With that, I mean the offense doesn't really seem to be the problem. No, it's never been the problem in Detroit. Not long term. I mean, everyone slumps and you know from time to time. But it's... how's the bullpen been this year? I feel like Rodriguez has been a decent closer. Yeah, I mean, I have not. Um, let's put it this way: I have not been cursing the likes of Fernando Rodney or uh, Kyle Farnsworth or. Any Jabba Chamberlain or uh, Joaquin <laughs> Soria or Joe Nathan or all of these guys that have seen better days. The, the, the Tigers, I almost did it again. Uh, the Tigers, you know, have tried to uh, revitalize their careers as closers, and it just never works out. Uh, but uh, real-time follow-up, the Tigers are playing the White Sox tonight, and uh, big game James is pitching. Mm-hmm. But he won't be for very much longer because the Tigers are up seven to two in the fourth inning. <laughs> yeah, Shields is. Oh man, he is. He may be done. Yeah. yeah, but I don't think the White Sox gave up much. But it, yeah, pitchers, man, they can be. Once it goes, it goes. It seems like. And the Twins are sixteen out. So, wow, they're bad. Yeah, they're definitely in the relegation zone. All right, let's move on. The uh, Yeah, the West. The Rangers are opening up a bit of a lead here, five games over the Mariners, who are in second. So, I yeah, the Rangers probably the odds-on favorite here on out. We'll see. Astros have rebounded a little bit, um, but they're still in a distant third. And uh, Angels and A's are bringing up the pack, but looks like the Rangers division to lose at this point. Yeah, definitely. Uh, National League, look at that. 
The Nationals are still in first place. Yep, still in first place. Still, Dusty's still, the... still only playing crappy teams, Nick. Or have they actually beat anybody yet? Oh, I, oh, the Reds beat them two out of three. So, so they they called up their top prospect Trey Turner for that series, and he started the first game, went three for three, with a couple hits, a double, and a walk. Gets on base all four times. Plays a great game. Do you think that Dusty plays him the rest of the series? Of course not. Sits him the next two games and then they demote him because he needs to work on his defense, evidently. <laughs> so I don't I don't know where That'd be infuriating. Not really sure what Trey Turner has to do. He's hitting well over three hundred in triple A. I guess his defense has been a little suspect, but I think he gotta let him play over Denny Espinosa. But then yeah, it's just me. So, I mean, that that team, I, I still just don't believe that they're going to do much. That They're a ticking time bomb with Papelbon in the bullpen, and Bryce Harper's a hothead. I just, in pressure situations, I don't see it going well for them, but that's just my thought. We shall see. All right, uh, and, oh, breaking news, the Cubs are still really good. Cubs are still amazing. Still by far plus one sixty two run differential, which the next closest is seventy six by the Nationals. So they're more than doubling the best. No, actually, it's the Red Sox at eighty five. Pardon, but still, that's almost double the next closest. It's kind of amazing. Yep, they're they're still good. I don't foresee them dropping off anytime soon either and how frustrating is it for the cardinals of which i I honestly don't care if it's frustrating for them but they're seven games over 500 and they're still nine games back in the division i mean yeah and unfortunately since we talked last they've they've been surging a bit they they think they just swept the pirates in a series which the pirates are another team they have two really good pitching prospects in the minors they haven't brought up yet and i'm just they keep trotting out jeff Locke and Jonathan Neese, I just I don't understand, but yeah, they got swept. They're they're just a game over five hundred now, twelve games back, and that's a team that's built to win now. So they're 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 struggling. Yeah. And then the uh, Brewers are actually close to five hundred too, which is a bit of a surprise. I thought they would be a lot worse than that. Yeah, they're uh, we're by far the worst team in the division. Well, there's still like 100 games left, so we'll see how this all shakes out. It's true. Uh, and then out west, Giants still winning that one, um, although the Dodgers are not too far behind. Only two games. Yeah, Dodgers or, are oh, five, five back. games back, yeah. But, I mean, as we said before, uh, San Diego's awful. Arizona, who wanted to win now, is... 28 and 37 yeah. that's that's got to be frustrating for them yeah if i was a diamondbacks fan i would be so disheartened right now because not only are you terrible this year but you in the course of the past couple of years traded a lot of your yeah, they, upper end they, prospects they sold the farm so they're i mean i don't know what the, they have to they have to keep going for it i mean i, I don't really know who they can't sign Grinky. They signed him to a massive deal. 
nobody wants Shelby Miller because he can't get anybody out. So, I mean, you're, I can understand, I think, because Goldschmidt is in his prime. They're trying to go for it now, but... Yeah, well, if... Yeah, that's kind of a depressing situation. I feel like if they continue down this path in a few years, the Braves are going to be really good, and the Diamondbacks are going to be a distant memory. Because the Braves, instead of selling the farm this offseason, brought in as much young talent as possible, right? And then they're trying to slowly rebuild. And the Diamondbacks took the exact opposite approach. And both teams are bad, but one was expected to be bad, and one was expected to be much better. So Right. Yeah, it's one thing if you're expected to be good and you're terrible, but if you're, you know, in the Braves... Red's case, well, you know you're going to be bad, but you're building for the future. It's a little bit more yeah, tolerable. Yeah, the the perspective is is much more uh, positive when you know that this is the worst you're going to be, and you are giving people experience that is going to make them better in the future. So, yep, sucks to be in Arizona right now. I mean, especially because it's summertime. You know how hot it gets down there. Uh, I can imagine. We're going to Oklahoma this week, yeah. and I saw that. On Wednesday, it's supposed to be a high of 103. Yeah, I would advise not um, stepping outside at all and keeping all your windows shut. <laughs> it's going to be disappointing, too, because they just got a hot tub. <laughs> and uh, I want to use that, but uh, not if it's 100 degrees out. Yeah, that's... that's but, yeah. Well, you wouldn't even have to heat the water. It would already be hot. <laughs> True. So, uh, yeah, speaking of of teams rebuilding the uh, a big part of that rebuilding effort is the draft which was last week so i want to just talk about it for for a second um we, th- we mentioned this i think our last episode a couple weeks ago about the draft and it's crazy because the mlb draft is 40 rounds long which is is insane because but if any sport's going to do something that's way longer than it needs to be it's going to be baseball right because just how they do it but thing to remember is this draft is a lot different from the other drafts in that you know in the nba and the nfl once you're in the draft you can't go back to college um the mlb is totally different um i was actually explaining this to lauren and it took forever to explain because it's so complicated but yeah, my yeah, my knowledge draft, is you, you, my knowledge of it is so minimal because isn't there like there's like rule five picks and compensatory picks and like amateur versus like yeah. there's there's so many uh, intricacies and like in between round picks and right I just ugh. so the rule five is that's a totally different thing that happens in December. This is this is like basically your your basic rookie draft. And it's all um, high schoolers and then uh, juniors and seniors in college. Because the rule in baseball is if you go to college, um, you have to, you have to, you're not draft eligible for three years. So um, I, I, think, I think it's a pretty good rule as far as, um, I'm sure it can be debated, but once you kind of commit to a, uh, yeah, a program that kind of the the program kind of knows that you're going to be around for three years and not just leave after a year, um, unlike basketball. So it's all about 
each each team has this um, slotted a lot of money that they can spend on these draft picks. And it's really complicated because you can't go over that pool or you forfeit picks for the next year. So certain guys, um, you know, you can get drafted, but the player doesn't have to sign. Like you have to come to a sort of an agreement. If you don't sign them, they can go back. You know, if it's a high schooler, they can just go to college. So you won't be able to draft them for three years. Or if they're like a college junior, they can go back um, and play their senior year. But um, so there's some negotiations with that. But what makes it different is um, some of the, you know, better high school pitchers will demand a lot more money um, to where if they don't get picked in the first like 10 rounds or so or the first 10 picks, they kind of become unless a team has a really big slot allotment because they have a lot of high picks, you know, they become kind of undraftable because you can't sign them. So, you know, there's a few high schoolers that, you know, probably on talent should have been drafted in the first round, but they were drafted much later because signability concerns and they're going to, you know, go to college. So say not to, I guess it's complicated. I, I feel like explaining the whole thing would take too long and it's not really necessary, I think for this audience, but the draft happened, so you know, in the in the grand scheme of things, most people do sign. Um, and I was, you know, this was a big draft for the Reds because they had the second overall pick, and then the uh, there's out two lottery rounds, and after the first round and the second round, and it's a little it's a little unclear, but from what I've gathered, it's uh, it all has to do with competitive balance. So if you are in the top if you're in the bottom 10 uh, markets in the U.S., which I'm not exactly sure how that's calculated, or the bottom 10 payrolls, you're entered into this lottery, which there are six picks in the first round and six in the second. Um, so the Reds actually won this lottery last year, so they got the first pick after the first round, which was really helpful to, yeah, to have another high pick, th- uh, 35 overall, but also added to their the money they could spend overall. Um and then the comp, uh, comp compensatory picks that you alluded to, those are at the end of the first round, and teams get those. So, so say for instance, the, uh, Justin Upton was on the Padres last year, and he became a free agent, and teams can offer those players uh, qualifying offers, which is like I think it's like fourteen million dollars for a one year if that player accepts it. So I know a few people did, like Colby Rasmus, the Astros did, so he signed a one-year deal back with them. But like Upton was offered that and ended up signing with the Tigers, but because that team offered it, they get compensation for losing him um, as a way. It's kind of a way for those lower payroll teams to be able to get some sort of compensation, like the um, name says, um, for losing their good players. So those are ordered at the end of um, the first round. So like uh, the Cardinals had a, two picks in the first round because they lost John Lackey and Jason Hayward and so a few other teams as well. But I was really excited for the Reds. They drafted the guy I wanted them to, um, Nick Senzel, who everyone kind of said was the best college hitter, uh, more, most polished um, hit, hit like three – 360 I think like a 460 on base percentage did really well um viewed as a pretty safe pick I was concerned that they were going to go 
um, for either. Uh, there's a pitcher named AJ Puck who is a big, tall left-hander. So he's like he's like six seven, huge. There's 97, but really struggles with control. And I was, I didn't want them to take him because just the the risk there. But I mean, if he turns out he's going to be a a top of the line starter. So yeah, the Reds took Sinzel, and then they got in there that lottery uh, pick that they got. They got a kid named Taylor Trammell from Georgia. He was Baseball America ranked him as the number thirteen overall prospect. So, which is a pretty reputable ranking source. So, according to them, the Reds got two top thirteen um, ranked players out of that, and then they drafted what a lot of people in the second round viewed as the best all-around catcher. So with the baseball draft, you it's so difficult to, like most of these guys are never going to sniff the major leagues. So a lot of people are saying that the Reds got three guys that, you know, Trammell is four or five years probably from the majors because he's a high schooler. He actually was a really good running back in, in Georgia too. I mean, that's pretty high-level football down there, and he won the uh, Georgia like class A football player of the year. So he's a tremendous athlete. So I'm excited. That uh gave me a lot of optimism that that went well. And the uh the Tigers took a guy named Matt Manning who is like a prototypical Tigers pick. They love these big tall high schoolers that throw in the in the upper 90s like Justin Verlander obviously and um but he, I guess his dad played professional basketball, and uh, he's a big kid, a lot of very high ceiling. So I don't, I don't know if you knew that or not, but well, when you said his dad was a professional, I was hoping you were going to say football player. <laughs> he's 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 the Manning brother everyone forgot. No, not <laughs> Cooper Manning. But. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean we'll we'll see. You, you just never know. You just never know. So we'll uh, we'll put the the draft tracker in the show notes if if people want to take a look at it. But I, I think it's just interesting because you know you got you know some of these guys are going to be stars in a few years, um, but also some of these guys are never even going to make the majors. It's you know a really difficult process. But um, on a personal note, I was really really happy with how things went as a Reds fan. So I'm hoping that those will be some important pieces to the future. Well, in keeping with the theme of making you happy and talking about baseball stars, Nick, I'd like to transition to our main topic for the show, if that's all right. We are going to be discussing our favorite baseball players from when we grew up. Mm. So we're getting so old. Yeah, These, uh, these players are probably going to date us a little bit. Well, the, the three that I'm going to name... Uh, have not been in baseball for quite a while. <laughs> they, they've all long since retired. Yeah. Uh, so my my first my my favorite player uh, for the Tigers growing up, and I bet you can guess who I'm going to pick was Mr. Cecil Fielder. Okay. Big nice. big boy on first base. Yeah. He. Uh, I I lived like 15 minutes away from him. Um not that like, you know, I would go over his house or anything. I just knew where his house was and it was so incredibly large and massive. Um 
But I just, I love Cecil Fielder because he was like the fat guy who could, you know, he uh, would swing out of his shoes and hit a lot of big home runs. And it just was, just kind of had that personality of a, a kid. You're like, he seems like a fun guy. I like the way he plays. I like that he's not the prototypical, you know, baseball athlete. Um, plus, you know, I mean, Detroit was never all that great. They were decent for a while when they had like Alan Trammell and uh, I'm trying to remember who their second baseman was. Oh, I can't remember. Um, but Prince Fielder and and a lot of those those guys from way back in the day. Um, and they were fun to watch. And and uh, Cecil was always my favorite. I had a signed baseball and signed baseball card. Uh, you know, little combo plaque. Um, that had his signature on the card and on the uh, the baseball that I kept like till I was in like college and then I realized it was like not cool to have that <laughs> <laughs> no it's still cool well yeah now that I'm married it's it's probably fine but you know the girls walked in like you have a signed baseball like all all two girls that I talked to in college but anyways enough about that uh, who was one of your favorite players growing up well the first one that that came to mind which would have been earlier in my childhood was definitely Barry Larkin he cornerstone for the Reds in the in the 90s and early 2000s I I remember I had a a poster of him in my room growing up of he won the National League MVP in 1995 so it was a picture of him swinging a bat and uh yeah it said National League MVP on it so I mean I think a lot of that was you know best player on my favorite team growing up but I remember he wore number 11 so in Little League, a lot of times I would want to get number 11 uh, for that reason. But, yeah, he he was a big part of why the Reds won the World Series in 1990 and was uh, just a really good player for us for a long time. So as a kid, it, it was really fun to watch him play shortstop, and obviously he was just a good all-around player. Um, so definitely one of more recognizable uh, names and uh, figures by the time you know I really started following baseball on a team that wasn't very good so yeah Barry Larkin was probably the first um, in the of my favorite players from you know when I remember but how about your second uh, well my second is I think going to go down uh, is one of the all-time best all-around baseball players, and that would be Mr. Ken Griffey Jr. Oh, nice. I uh, I mean, he was just all over Sports Illustrated for kids, which I was like hooked on as a kid, and he's got one of the prettiest swings you're ever going to see in all of baseball. He was a nice guy, um, and you, y'all, you just felt bad because of the few injuries that he got. You just like he already had an incredible career. What would have happened yeah. if he had avoided some of those knee injuries? I mean, he's just a crazy athletic in the outfield, the running, diving catches, the climbing up the wall, the big timely home runs. Um, just, you know, really infectious smile. Just seemed like, you know, a player that like as a kid you wanted to be. You wanted to swing like Ken Griffey. You wanted to have that iconic just stroke and you wanted to be that guy. Um Right. And he and he played for Seattle. Uh, they were like the anti-Yankees, you know. Um, 
they didn't have that stigma of, you know, Steinbrenner and all the money and, and they had, they had good teams and I'm sure they spent lots of money on guys, but you know, as a fan, the Yankees were the evil empire and, you know, guys like Griffey, uh, or even guys like Sammy Sosa were like the good guys, you know what I mean? Until you found out that he's corking his bat, but <laughs> you know, like just like the, the way that they were portrayed in the media and everything like that, it was like, Ken Griffey's one of the good guys and he's, you know, gives back yeah. to the community. And so, yeah, that smile. Yeah. It's I'm telling infectious. you. Yeah. And so just growing up, he was like, I was, you know, we've, it's well documented how bad I am at baseball, but I was like, I wanted, I wanted to, to swing like Griffey. That's what I wanted. I, I really liked him too. I think I was so, because he got traded to the Reds right kind of at the end of his prime. And it was such a big deal, like the the hometown kid was coming home because his dad played for the Reds and for the Big Red Machine. And he, and he definitely had his moments. He hit his 600 home run for the Reds. But, yeah, like you said, so many injuries and just so many bad teams. It just You could kind of see him age. Um, I saw him age. I've We missed that on all the good years. So I... I definitely, yeah, I, I can relate a lot with seeing him on Sports Illustrated for Kids and just he was that swing. Like everyone tried to emulate that on the Little League field. Um, but I, I think whenever I think of him, it's kind of shrouded a little bit in disappointment just because maybe we just had too high of expectations of him being the, the savior of a terrible franchise. But it just never happened. And um, it was kind of amazing. He was on the all-century team. I think the only active member in that, um, in like 2000. Oh, wow. Because, I mean, he just had such a phenomenal decade of, you know, he just put up these insane stats um, and just played the game in such an amazing and fun way. So, yeah, that's a great, great choice. Thank but you. I kind of feel narrow-minded because all mine are reds. <laughs> But my second, my second, the, my second and third are both from the same era. But they're just two guys I just absolutely loved. And the first one, Sean Casey, the mayor. Um, <laughs> not, just, sounds like a bad wrestling nickname. <laughs> what I think about, I mean, never the most athletic guy. Kind of looked a little awkward out there. But that that guy could hit. Like he he was always our best hitter, a cornerstone on. Like I said, a lot of bad teams, but he uh, didn't let that losing get to him. Was always a great interview. He still like he does a lot of stuff um, for on TV, and he's just everyone loves him. He's very energetic. I feel like he was a really good uh, role model um, for kids. But you know, as a as a kid, he. Um, was a lot of fun to watch and yeah, great hitter as well. So I, I, as you'll see, I didn't mention any Reds pitchers because in my childhood, I do not remember one good Reds pitcher, <laughs> <laughs> which oh, is boy. really depressing. But how about your third? Well, this one I think is going to come a bit out of left field. Tino Martinez. Tino, wow. Who was a Yankee, 
Um, yeah, I hated all those Yankee guys. He was the one guy that I didn't that I didn't hate. Um, he just, I always, whenever I did watch the Yankees play, it was usually against the Tigers. Uh, clutch hitter. Um, strong hitter first base he was like the anti-cecil fielder you know like this real fit strong strapping good-looking guy that you know um just he just had this like as a kid he just had this uh i i realize i'm picking like all the nice guys and i don't know if tino martinez is a nice guy but as a kid i thought he was um and so he just to me he was like the prototypical uh baseball player um much like griffey um but it was like he was the one guy in the yankees that i wasn't like that guy's a jerk um because that's what i sounded like when i was eight but (laughs) um yeah i just remember big hits memorable home runs uh i mean and that's when the yankees really kind of became untouchable was when you know him and like Paul O'Neill and Jeter as a really young guy, um, they're the ones that kind of, in my childhood, were like the Yankee dynasty. Um, and as much as I disliked them, um, Tina Martinez is always somebody that I, whenever I think of baseball players from that era, he's one of the first guys to pop in my head for whatever reason. So yeah, that that Yankees team was so stacked. <laughs> You know, Bernie Williams and Jorge Posada, Jeter, Chuck Knobloch before he got the yips, got the, got the yips, um, Mariano Rivera, his whole career. Yeah. And then, I mean, all their, their pitching staff, Andy Pettit, Pettit, Mike Mussina. They, I mean, they just got all the good players back then. It wasn't even fair. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, those are, those are good memories that, Thinking about that era too makes me think of Bartolo Colon playing for the <laughs> playing for the Indians, and Bartolo. he was still pudgy, but it, a much younger. And he threw like upper nineties. Yeah, well, and then you, you that brings back like Pedro Martinez, yeah, and Roger Clemens. Well, and then the, all the Braves pitchers like yeah. Smoltz and uh, Maddox and Glavin. Yeah, yeah, and then a little later after that, the A's. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Barry God. Zito, Mark Mulder, yeah, um, um, uh, uh, Tim Hudson, yeah, the big three, and then who was the guy that was really good before he totally his Mark Pryor before his arm yeah. just exploded? But that was later on. Pryor and uh, Kerry Wood, yeah, they were filthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, those are. I mean, let's not let's not forget uh, Nate Robertson and Brandon Inge. Come on now, they were stars. Oh, <laughs> Brandon Inge. So yeah, that, when I think of being a kid too, I think of the Tigers being historically bad. Um, uh, that was more. That was more like that was more like high school when they were historically bad. It was two thousand and three when they had that just yeah the worst season ever. So. The Tigers have a guy named Fig. Fig, I don't remember him. I'll have to look that up. I just I'm trying to remember some of those guys, but yeah, you kind of wonder. Well, obviously, we know some of those guys were a little roided up, but yeah, that was that was an interesting era, dominated by the Yankees. I feel like in the World Series every year, or so it seems. Yeah. 
my uh my third favorite player i'd i'd have to mention his his name but adam dunn mm, the, the, the big donk the donk <laughs> just such a massive human being yeah who was big texan who just hit bombs yeah he was basically he he would either hit a home run walk or strike out there was one of three options pretty in there they all kind of happened you know went in the same consistency which is not even that good but and he played a decent left field in his early years but towards the end of his career his defense just went down the drain well when he was on the white Sox, they tried to move him to first base didn't they yep and that didn't work he played for team usa in the uh the world uh baseball classic and it was pretty bad then they moved him to DH, and he had he had one of the more like atrocious years um, by anyone. And he play, he had a couple of decent years after that, but the guy actually put together a pretty solid career. For uh, I think he gets under he definitely gets under uh, appreciated around Reds country. A lot of people, for whatever reason, didn't like him towards the end of his career, but he. Uh, he destroyed a couple catchers in his day <laughs> back before the the catching rule was in place. Yeah. So that was, yeah. I've always felt bad for him, but <laughs> as a kid, that was kind of fun to watch. Yeah. It's like the goalie fights in hockey. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen very often, but when it does, it's amazing. Uh, I, w- I would be remiss. I know he, he wasn't a player when I was a child, but uh, Sparky Anderson, I just got to throw him out there. Much respect, that was Sparky. Way before us, huh? No, but he was always he was always around, uh, and yeah. he was a manager while I was alive. Thank you very much. That's true. He was. He, I think he stopped being the manager when I was like ten. So right, yeah. I guess I don't even don't even try and take Sparky from me, Nick. I will fight you. I I forget <laughs> that he didn't just manage the Reds in the seventies. Yeah, no, he. <laughs> He was a legend. He he managed sure. Tigers for quite a while. But All right. yeah, that's uh I definitely feel old, but I uh those are some good memories. I remember playing my All Star baseball two thousand with Derek Jeter on the cover and I would always do those fancy drafts and just load up my team. I'd always want Vladimir Guerrero in right field. Oh, I forgot all about him. Uh, Bernie Williams in center, Gary Sheffield in left. Forgot about him too, and he played for the Tigers. Okay. Uh, Roberto Alomar. At oh second. yeah. Uh huh. Um, I'm trying to remember some other guys. Nomar Garcia Parra. That was back yet. Yeah, it's short. Yep. Garcia Parra, Alex Rodriguez, and Jeter were like the three big shortstops. And then I think like Chipper Jones, third base, and I always I'd have, my pitching staff would be like Randy Johnson. Mike Mussina, um, Roger Clemens. It was just like Jose Lima. Just disgusting. That's kind of funny. Good times. Good times. Good, good, good times. All right, sir. I think that wraps it up for episode 12. Thanks for coming back from vacation. Yeah, I'm about to head out again. So, you know, tough life right now. But. (laughs) Well, you are going to the the deserts of Oklahoma, so mm-hmm. bring lots of water. I'll be back 
later this month and then should be back for good after that. All right, sir. It's been a pleasure. See you later. It has. Have a, have a good week. Bye. Bye.